Hey, I hope you have a Bible with you, and I hope you know how to use it. Uh, whether it's a written Bible or it's, um, it's digital, uh, well, that's still written, isn't it? Uh, but whether you click on it or turn in it, go to Matthew chapter 2. If you get the one calls from the church, then you know we're starting a series today on following spiritual priorities. And my original plan was to begin January 1st, and I thought, actually, I wanted to teach on the wise men, and they give us a good foundation, a route to jump into this series. And we're going to spend a couple of months talking about spiritual priorities that we should have in our lives to um, follow the Lord accurately and purposely. And uh, I don't know about you, but I, I find it easy to get distracted. Uh, the most important things aren't always the things that stay on our radar. And I've worked really hard the last couple of years especially to get a system down that worked for me to help me focus so the important things don't get lost in all the other stuff. Because there's a lot of things calling for our attention in our culture. And so we need to focus on our spiritual priorities, focus on our higher priorities, uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We need to pursue the higher spiritual priorities. And so we're going to look today at how the wise men did that and what we can learn from them in the process. So if you have your Bibles and you're open to Matthew chapter 2, follow along with me as I read. And uh, verse number 1, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, In the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now, there's a couple of things about the songs that we sing. They, Like, we three kings of Orient. The Bible doesn't call them kings. It calls them wise men. But they gave kingly-type gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It also doesn't say there were only three of them. It says they gave three gifts. There might have been 14 of them. Uh, when I was uh, in a Christmas pro- program, uh, church that we were in in Texas did a big Christmas pageant one year, and I was one of the wise men. I know, it's typecasting, right? Uh, I was one of the wise men, and, and they made sure that we had at least four guys. The, the plan was five, one came down six, so we still had four guys out there being the wise guys, maybe more than the wise men. But, uh, but there's things that we don't know, but, but people have filled them in on songs to make it singable and fun. And it's okay to sing those songs, otherwise we wouldn't do it. But we need to remember we base the theology, the learning, the teaching from what God's Word actually says. So God's Word says, after Jesus was born. Now, many times... Uh, you see the manger scene, right, which is not biblically accurate either. But in the manger scene, they have the wise men there. And we used to have a manger scene, didn't we? We had figures. And, and so what Kathy would do, she'd set up the manger scene there, and then she'd put the wise men way over here, you know, because they're not there yet. Uh, the wise men don't get with the shepherds at the manger. They're, they're not there at the same time. What happened after Jesus was born in the, 
in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, wise men came from the east. When did the wise men start the journey? We don't know. The Bible doesn't specifically say. But it seems likely they started the journey when Jesus was born. That God put a star, a new star for Jesus. We talked about that star recently. And, and the way it describes it standing over uh, the, the, where the child was, it, it seems like the star was actually within our atmosphere that God made something unique and amazing. And it wasn't way out there because you can navigate by the star. Well, people who know how to do it can navigate by the stars, okay? I need GPS. But, but they can navigate by stars out on ships. They've done it for a thousand years. But this was a star that led them to a specific house, a specific place. And so there aren't stars out there that can do that. Um, this probably was a very unique and temporary star that showed up. Some think it's now the North Star that God put it up there as a shit. We don't know because the Bible doesn't say. But we do know they came from the East. And uh, we also know that back in the East, uh, what, what was the big um, country, the big empire that was significantly East of Israel? Babylon, I don't know what else people have said, but I heard somebody say Babylon. Uh, Babylon was it. Who do we know that was in Babylon who was a wise man? Daniel. So Daniel had a significant impact in Babylon. So there's some good conjecture that they came from Babylon. We don't know. Uh, if they came from Babylon, then it's a journey of more than 900 miles. Uh, how far east could they have come? Well, the farthest east of China would, would make it a journey of about 4,000 miles. We don't know. Somewhere between those two, maybe 900. If we work with 900 and they were traveling approximately 30 miles a day was a good journey for a caravan. Most of them, their goal was 20 to 30 miles a day. And so they're in a caravan going to say, so 20 to 30 miles a day to go 900 miles, that's a long journey. They don't jump in the car and knock off 900 miles, although my brother and I did that on our motorcycles. We rode more than 1,000 miles in one day. And we were ready to keep going, except I had to get to work the next day. Um, but we, uh, you know, some people like to ride or drive. I don't ride a motorcycle anymore, but I still enjoy driving. They didn't have that. They, the pictures show them on camels most of the time. Why would they show them on camels? Well, that's what caravans used most of the time was camels. And they were rich, probably, because the gifts that they gave. So we assume they were on camels on their journey. So they come to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship them. him. How did they know it was his star? The only possible way they could have known that is if God revealed it to them. God 
does reveal things to us, primarily through his word. But before his word was written, that God was speaking to people through angels sometimes, through circumstances sometimes, through the inner speaking of the Holy Spirit as he still does with us today. And, and they knew it was his star for the one who would be born king of the Jews. They could very well have been messianic believers coming from Babylon who came through the influence of Daniel in that kingdom and now they're coming all the way over because they knew the Messiah would come and they saw the star and they sensed the Holy Spirit tell them this is his star. So they came looking for the one born king of the Jews. Well, Herod was the king of the Jews. He didn't like that very much. Herod was a political king. He claimed to be Jewish, but his life was not at all. And, and he liked to be in charge, and he liked to be uh, the big guy. But, but Herod was just a little guy in a little stretch of a little part of the earth. And the king who was coming is the king of kings and lord of lords. Verse 3. When Herod, the king, heard this, he was troubled. Yeah. Oh no, somebody else is here. In other parts of the world, I'm thankful it's not that way in America. In America, when the president-elect is from a different party than the outgoing president, there's not a war. There's not combat. There's not troops in the streets. We have a, a unique and amazing country that we live in. We have had significant transitions from conservative to liberal, conservative to liberal, and we haven't had a war. I know we have, but not in our lifetimes, right? At least not for me. Um, uh, but we had a civil war a long time ago. But we have, they, they, in that day, if a king was ruling and he thought somebody else was wanting to take power, he would put him to death. And that's actually what Herod did to the young kids. So he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. This was not three guys sneaking in on camels and sneaking out. It was a caravan. It was a group. It was some enough people that all Jerusalem was stirred up by this. And then he said, we have seen a star in the east and have come to worship him. And they were troubled. And so Herod gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together. And he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Isn't that interesting? He is Herod, king of the Jews, but he has not read the Jewish scriptures. If he had read the Jewish scriptures, he would have known where the king of the Jews was to be born. He didn't know. So he asked the chief priests and the scribes, and he inquired of them. And they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. They were quoting directly from the Old Testament. They were looking into the scroll of Micah and they were recording it. And apparently, they didn't have to look it up. There's no long delay uh, described here. They, he asked, they answered. Verse 7, Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. He wanted to know exactly when it started. And we'll find out why in a moment. 
And verse 8, And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. Now why would he say young child? He could have said infant. Jesus wasn't an infant anymore. Look for the young child. There's different words in the Greek to describe that. When you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. It came and just stood there. Now, stars don't just stand there in our day, in the normal stars that we see, because the earth is revolving. The earth is rotating. Not, and the earth is moving around and around and around. It doesn't feel like you're moving 24,000 miles an hour, but actually you're not, but those standing on the equator would be. Uh, 24,000 miles an hour, because that's the revolution of the earth every day, all the way around. And so we don't feel like we're moving at that speed because we're uh, gravitational, holding us in place, and and we feel like we're stationary. But when we look up at the stars at night, if you look at any time, like you look out there at 10 o'clock, and then you look back at 1 o'clock, the stars are going to be a little off. And then you look at 3 a.m., and they're going to be further off. Why? Because we're spinning. And so as that rotation that we're doing, um, the stars appear to be moving. But this star was stationary. It was a special star. It was the star for Christ. So, uh, when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. What, what does exceeding great joy look like? Did they go, fist bump, high five, wow. Did they say, very interesting. Did they say, amazing? What, what does great joy look like? <laughs> come on. Dawson, come up here and show them what it looks like. No, I'm just kidding. You know, all right, you know what it looks like, right? This is like a kid on Christmas Day, and they got a package there, and they're not sure what's in it. And they start to open the package, and it's the very thing they were really excited about getting, and they're like tearing off the wrapping paper. It's going everywhere, and they're going, yeah! That's what these guys look like. There's the star! Wow! Yay! They're probably backslapping each other, slapping their camels. Get moving! Let's go! They're excited. They're rejoicing with great, ex- with exceedingly great joy. Now, let me give you an illustration of exceedingly, okay? You got a glass and you got a carton of milk. Okay? You're filling it up. Somebody gets your attention over here, but your hand doesn't go like this. It keeps pouring. And you look back, and it's just spilling over the glass onto the table. That's not exceedingly great. What would be exceedingly great is if it just kept pouring. And now it's running off the table and onto the floor. Now you've got a puddle on the table. You've got a puddle on the floor. You've got milk everywhere. That's exceedingly great. So, in the case of spilled milk, it's a big mess. In the case of uh, the Christ, it's great joy. Exceedingly great joy. 
And so, uh, verse 11, And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. How old was Jesus at this point? I'll answer that in just a minute. And, and when they had opened their treasures, now notice that, they opened their treasures. They are giving of their treasure to the Lord, exactly like we have done in our offering. They opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. They took the back road out of Bethlehem and didn't go through Jerusalem. Verse 13, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. Now, we do that all the time. I mean, when Kathy and I were stuck in the Sierra Nevadas, she got up early in the morning at 4 o'clock in the morning. She said, the road's clear. She woke me up. We jumped in the car and we took off and we drove for hours before the sun came up. And if we hadn't done that, we would have been stuck another day. That let us get out before the road got closed again because there were avalanches all over the place. It was, it was crazy. So if, for us to get up in the middle of the night and go is not a huge deal, right? I've known of parents who intentionally do that. They put their kids to bed and then sneak them out to the car while they're asleep and take off in the middle of the night so the kids will sleep through most of the journey. That's okay. But in their day, this is very unusual. Normally, at night, you, you found a safe place to stay. And they got up in the middle of the night and started their journey and took off for Egypt. And thankfully, they had money to be able to do that because some guys from the east brought them gold, and that financed their journey. Isn't it neat how God provides? Now, uh, then, they stayed there, in verse 15, they stayed there until the death of Herod, uh, that it might be spoken by the Lord of the prophets, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Verse 16, Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. Okay. He told the wise men, Come back here. Now, he feels deceived because they didn't do exactly what he said. How many of you know people like that? They get mad if you don't do exactly what they said. Don't point. I just was asking the question. You know, all right. So he he sent forth and he put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he determined from the wise men. Then it was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet, talking about the wailing and weeping in Ramah, a lamentation over those who died. Now. When Herod inquired of the wise men, he found out exactly when the star appeared, and now he's putting kids to death who were two years old and under. So we figure Jesus was somewhere between 18 months and two years old when the wise men came, and then the wise men left, and it took a couple of months, maybe, maybe just weeks, for Herod to figure out how bad things were, and then he put them to death. Now, Bethlehem's a small town in that day. 
It wasn't a huge village. It wasn't a huge metropolis. It was way smaller than Arizona City. It was just a small town. But putting one kid to death is too much, isn't it? There's an outcry in America when a child dies. And multiple kids were put to death by Herod because he was evil. But I I grieve for those parents who lost those kids as I grieve for parents who lose kids today. But God is still at work. The great work of God is still going on. And I personally believe the Bible doesn't clearly teach it in one specific verse, but there's concepts taught in the Scripture. And I believe there is an age of accountability for kids. And if they die before they reject Christ, they go to be with the Lord in heaven. And one of the reasons why I believe that is David, when his infant son died, David, knowing he would go and be with the Lord when when he died, David knew that. So he said, he, my son, can't come back to me, but I will go to him. He knew that when he went to be with the Lord, his son would be there. And and there's some other verses that encourage me to think that way. Um, So those kids who died, I think, will be in heaven when we get there. And they won't know why they were Well, maybe by then they will have known why they were put to death. But at the time, all they knew is an evil man was ordering evil things and his evil workers fulfilled those orders. Please, you need to understand. Guys who say, I was just following orders, no, they were sinning against God. That's happened in in Germany. I was just following orders. That's happened all over the place where people have done evil things. So Herod was an evil man doing evil things, but God was still at work. Now, I want to turn, I want to focus on the wise men and spiritual priorities because they followed spiritual priorities. Life is a journey, and every day you are moving in a direction that will affect you for the rest of your life. So we need to follow spiritual priorities. And I believe that following spiritual priorities is more effective than setting New Year's resolutions. How many of you have either set a New Year's resolution or know someone who has? And, And how many of you have known somebody, yourself or someone else, who has failed miserably at following those New Year's resolutions? Statistically, they say 25% of people abandon their New Year's resolution within one week. 25% don't make it to January 8th. And 60% abandon them within the first several months. So the majority of people don't make it anywhere near the first year. The average person makes the same New Year's resolution 10 separate times without success. When my dad was in the Air Force, he worked with a young guy who was marginally Catholic. And so in his church, they had to lay aside something for Lent. And so every year, his New Year's resolution was to take up smoking. And then he would give it up for Lent. Uh, 5% of people, only 5% of people who make a resolution to lose weight, uh, 
actually keep it off. 95% regain it, and a significant portion gain back more than they lost because they're focusing only on the diet instead of trying to eat healthfully, and there's different things. And even after a heart attack, only 14% of patients make any lasting changes around diet and exercise. That means of people who've had a heart attack, 86% don't change their life. Okay, I'm, I'm thinking a heart attack should kind of be a wake-up call. You guys agree with that? Yeah, it should be a, a kind of wake-up call. But it's not. And see, what happens is we make these resolutions, and sometimes the resolutions are very nebulous, like, I'm going to lose weight. What does that mean? Does that mean you're going to eat the same way you've eaten for your whole life, and miraculously the pounds will shed off faster than they did before? I was in... Uh, LA Fitness, I'm not a member there now, I go to Planet Fitness, but I was at LA Fitness in the gym, and, and one day I was, my back was sore, and so I went into the sauna to stretch under the heat there, and there were two guys there, and one guy said, oh man, he said, I, I ordered it, it hasn't come in yet, it's this spray, and you just spray it on your stomach, and it melts all that body fat, and the guy who made it is a doctor. He's an MD. He knows what he's talking about. And the other guy asked him how much he paid. I don't remember. It was a ridiculous amount. He paid a bunch of money for a spray to sprinkle on the outside that's going to melt the fat away. Hey, if that was real, every doctor in America would be selling it to their patients. So the truth is, Resolutions don't change your life. Following spiritual priorities do. When you follow a spiritual priority, it will change your life. Well, what spiritual priority? We're going to look over a couple of months at the different spiritual priorities we can follow. But let's, let's look at the wise men and what they did. So number one, even your daily routines become part of a bigger spiritual journey, a bigger journey of faith. So the wise men, oh, my God, city of Bethlehem here, ignore that, okay? The wise men were way off in the east, and I'm over here because I'm standing on the east. And the wise men were in the east, and they had to make a long journey to the west. So before they began that journey, what did they need? Provisions. Camels, clothes, blankets, tents. You know, they didn't have, uh, they didn't have uh, inns and RV parks along the way. They needed their tent. And that's when I was a kid, that's how we traveled. We'd pack a tent and strap it to the roof or in a one-wheeled trailer behind the cart, and we'd hit the road, and we saw America that way. Um, and, and so they'd make this journey, and they'd have to take everything with them. Now, they couldn't guarantee, there were some places where they knew they could stop, but they were going to have to go days and days and days before they could replenish. So they had to stock a lot of stuff. You know, they had to have their vitamins in the little trays all laid out for every day. And they, they had to have all this stuff work together. And, and they had to have dried goods because they didn't have canned goods in that day. So they had to have a lot of stuff to make that journey. And then they had to start. 
And day one, if it was a good day for a caravan, day one they made 30 miles out of probably at least 900 miles. And so before they made that first day, they had lots of stuff they had to do. And then when they get to the end of the day, what do they have to do? Set up the tents, fix the food, eat, sleep, get up in the morning, take the tent down, pack it up, eat, hit the road. Day after day after day after day. In fact, even for Joseph and Mary, when Mary found out she was going to be the mother of the Christ, an angel came and told her, Wow! Amazing! And then Joseph had an angel speak to him in a dream three months later, saying, Go ahead and marry Mary. I, you knew I'd sneak that in, didn't you? And, and go ahead and marry her, and then someday, you know, the, the one who's born, when he's born, you'll name him Jesus. And then after that moment when the angel spoke to Joseph, there were six months before anything else significant happened. In those six months, every day, Mary felt the child growing. But it felt normal. And after six months, it felt normal. And, and your life feels normal, doesn't it? Maybe. Maybe your life feels weird. Maybe the people around you just think your life is weird. But, but life feels kind of normal, and it feels kind of routine. And we need to remember that our daily routines are part of God's bigger work in our lives. For instance, we just gave an offering. Well, if you had money to give in an offering, then you had to earn it somewhere. Or somebody had to give it to you. Some way you had to come into that money. And I don't know about you, but I've never woke up in the morning, opened my front door, and there's a brick $100 bill sitting there. Never happened. We have to work and earn and save and then give. And so the difficulties of life are less discouraging because you're drawing closer to the Lord. These guys, the routine, the toil, the journey, they could be excited about what they were heading to, what they were heading toward. They remind themselves in the morning and, and go on their journey. I used to drive our kids to school, and uh, I would remind them that they went to public school, and, and uh, so I'd remind them that they were going to wage war in enemy territory. They were to represent the Lord Jesus Christ in a world that kind of rejected him, and they were going to serve God. And So one day, I'm driving the kids to school, and I'm like, you know, giving them this preacher pep talk, and you're going to go wage war in enemy territory. You're going to be victors for Christ. You're going to live for him. One of the kids like, Dad, Dad, the windows are down. <laughs> so I was driving down the road, just giving them the spiel as we came up to the school. But see, every day, you need to remind yourself, I'm not in a battle with flesh and blood. I'm in a spiritual battle. The spiritual wickedness in high places. And I need to walk with Christ to be victorious today. You need to develop spiritual discipline in your daily routines. I know some moms... I, I, okay, Here's a quiz. How many of you ladies love laundry? 
Laundry is the coolest thing. Yeah, we all love clean clothes, right? But I really don't know anybody who loves the laundry. In our house, most of the time I do the laundry. Kathy does the yard work because my allergies and it works for us. But she does all the folding. But I know a lady who, as she was doing all the laundry folding and she had a bunch of kids, she said, I would pray for each kid as I folded their clothes. As I prepared meals, I would pray for my family as I prepared that meal. And, and these are ways you can redeem the time, if you will. You can connect your daily routine to the bigger journey of faith that you were on. Every night they were pitching the tent, every day gathering it up. Well, when you are brushing your teeth at night, and hopefully more often than that, you are taking care of the body God gave you. So I know some people, who they, they tape a Bible verse to the mirror. And then they learn it while they're shaving and brushing their teeth. Presumably it's a guy shaving and looking at the mirror because, you know, I guess a lady could stick her foot way up there and shave her toes. But when you go to work, <laughs> sorry, we do serious things here too, okay? And, when, when you go to work, you are representing the Lord out in the community. You are using your gifts and your abilities and your skills that he has given you to accomplish good on planet Earth in your community. And your daily routines become part of your bigger journey of faith, as it did for these wise men. Secondly, when you follow spiritual priorities, you experience great joy. Now, some days, you're going to have some joy every day, right? Psalm 68, 19, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. So what's some joy you could experience every day? Sunrise. Yeah, if you live in Arizona, there's beautiful sunrises and sunsets. Benjamin? The presence of God with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Yeah, fulfilling his promise with food. There was something else. I couldn't quite hear you. Birds? Tweeting birds? Except... <laughs> Her last name is Bird, by the way. So when you hear me call her a bird brain, I'm just being respectful. So, yeah, every day you experience some joy, right? Every day there's something. And even in the worst of circumstances, the worst possible day of your life, you can bow your head and you can pray and the Lord God of heaven and earth listens to your prayer. But some days, there's great joy. There's a baby born. There's a promotion. There's a, a message really spoke to your heart and encouraged you in the Lord. And your Bible reading, something that you hadn't really thought through, really made sense. And you're like, wow, and you're writing it down as fast as you can because you want to catch this and remember this. There are great moments of great joy, but every day there are some moments of some joy because we walk with God. Of all the people on the planet, Christians should be the most joyful 
And yet, if you follow Twitter or Facebook, you'll see often Christians are the most fussy. We should be the most joyful because we walk with the King of Kings. Number three, you adjust your plans as you follow his leading. These guys probably, presumably, had busy lives. It doesn't say they were retired. And, and by the way, even if you are retired, you still have busy lives, right? I, I had a friend who retired. And he said, I don't know how I ever managed to work. I'm so busy in my retirement. How did I ever find time to work? Uh, but, but these guys had stuff they did every day. They weren't sitting around for a couple of months. I am so bored, so bored. Oh, check it out, a star. Let's go follow that. They, they were doing, they were busy, they were accomplishing, they were connecting. And so they had to adjust their plans. This was something new. And I don't think they regretted it. I don't think, oh, great, now God's throwing this thing. You know? Now we've got to go do this. I think they were excited about it, the, the evidence in Scripture. But it was still a change of plans. And God can interrupt your plans regularly. And sometimes he almost has to, to get your attention. But the goal of following spiritual priorities is you intentionally adjust your plans as you follow his leading. So that you're going somewhere and, and you maybe stop in a store and you're buying something, you're talking to somebody and something they say, you think, oh, they really need to hear this from the scripture. And so you stop in the store, you start talking with them, sharing with them, sharing God's truth with them. And, and you weren't planning to do that, but now you are. Maybe you were planning to take a vacation and something else comes up and you have to restructure and replan. Every day they were following the star, months on end. And then they listened when other people shared truth with them. They showed up in Jerusalem and they say, we know we followed the star and it was for the Messiah of Israel. Where's the one born king of the Jews? And so they told him Bethlehem and they adjusted their plans and immediately headed out for Bethlehem. It was natural for them to go to Jerusalem because Jerusalem was the capital of Israel. And it was natural for them to head in that direction and they did. But now they learn new truth. Oh, it's Bethlehem. Well, that's five miles away. They just packed up and headed off. And when they left to return home, they followed God's direction and didn't go back through Jerusalem. They went out the other way. You have to adjust your plans as you follow his leading. Sometimes those adjustments hurt. Sometimes they're wonderful. But you can't follow God and then follow your own agenda. When you follow God, you have to seek Him first. And you have to open your heart to follow His agenda. Somebody said, you have to view interruptions as divine appointments and respond accordingly to follow God. All right, a fourth thing, you have opportunities to bless the Lord and further his work. These guys took these blessings 
They took these gifts, they showed up, they gave them to him, and then they left. I don't think they knew what a huge blessing that gold was to get the family down to Egypt and back. I don't think they knew that. But they just knew they wanted to give, and it made a difference. They fell down, and they worshiped. They were completely humbling themselves before a baby. Now, normally, wise men from the east would would bow when you bowed before them, like you would bow that much, and they would bow that much. How many of you have ever been in the military? Okay. And when you're in the military, and there's somebody, if you're a junior officer, or you're enlisted, and there's a senior officer, and you salute first, right? You salute, and you hold that salute, and then they salute, and you don't let it go until after they've let go. So you hold that salute until they have saluted and let go. And often, they get it so much, the higher-ranking officers, they just kind of salute like that, you know. And you've got to snap there and hold it, and they're just like moving on, just almost waving you off. But, but you, the person who has the higher authority, has the, the other person has a responsibility to be submissive. So these guys are wise men from the East. These were men that were followed. These were men who were teachers. And these brilliant men who had followers, they bow before a baby. Not because Jesus would glow in the dark or something weird like that, but because they recognized God in man, the incarnation. They saw what God was doing, and they knew this was the fulfillment of all these prophecies. And so these men bowed to show their subservience to this baby. And then they generously gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh, gifts that were to provide for Mary and Joseph and Jesus. And it met needs. You have opportunities to bless the Lord and to further His work. Our church brought rejoicing in the home of the Babalolas when we could tell them 10 days ago that we are now able to take them on for support. And they were excited. And we are excited to partner with them because now we have somebody who's going to go represent us in Nigeria. Not just somebody who's in Kenya and the pastor keeps saying is from Nigeria, but somebody who's actually going to be in Nigeria. If you're new around here, you don't know what that's about. But uh, look, life is a journey. Life is a journey. Every day you are moving in a direction that will affect you for the rest of your life. And so you need to follow spiritual priorities. Following spiritual priorities brings spiritual and eternal blessings. And you won't get those blessings if you're not following spiritual priorities. So you can be a wise person by learning from the wise man and following God. I hope you will.